Hoops Double Podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me in Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. How you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Good afternoon, man. Good to be here. What's going on? We've had a we've had a week. We've had two seventy point games, two sixty point losses. Uh, whose game you want to start with? Where do you want to begin? Or do you want to begin with what was possibly the game of the year? Uh, apparently, Lakers Warriors. I that can't be the game of the year, can it? It was incredible. I, I honestly, I do want to start with the seventy point games. I don't want to deep dive into the games themselves. They scored seventy points. No one could guard them. No one could touch them. They they hit everything they took. It was insane. I, I want to have the conversation with you specifically because this is something that I'm sure it interests you. I don't know if you saw the video I had made, but kind of discussing the parallels between the '90s and 2000s into this 2010s, 2020s explosion of offense, and how that compares to basically every single rule that was made in the 20s, 30s, 40s into the 50s, and then you get the 60s, and you have like Wilt and Oscar and West and Russell, and it's like these guys are way better at basketball than we ever imagined when we made these rules originally. Um, and so in the 90s and 2000s, things like grind to a halt, just screeching halt. They they get out of hand checking, um, they allow zone defense, try to get like the game sped up a little bit. And now, like with individual creation at an all time high, we're seeing like the product of that. I saw the video. I'm interested to hear what are your takes? Is this a bad thing? Is this a good thing? Is this something that we need to like curb? Um, because I, I'll admit, I don't see this as like any sort of a negative. I see this as the return of eighties basketball, which is a of basketball but just instead of shooting you know deep twos they're shooting threes and so like it skews the numbers because you got 35 three-point attempts as opposed to six but i feel like this is really nice i i don't hate this brand of basketball nor do i feel like defense doesn't exist i would like to see a couple changes i don't think it's bad necessarily but i'd like to see defensive three seconds banned there's just really no reason to have that. When they, when they, okay, the first interesting thing, when they implemented offensive three seconds in like the 30s, it was to prevent guys from like fighting each other underneath the basket. Basically, like you can't stand there and just bump bodies. It was to limit physicality. Then when they allow zone defense in the 2000s, Mm-hmm. And they're saying, okay, you can play zone, but you can't just stand there because every team has two seven footers and the game is so paint oriented that that would be a ridiculous advantage. It no longer is. It no longer would be. I, I think if you didn't have defensive three seconds in the 2000s, the scores would have been like 40 to 35. And I'm honestly not even exaggerating that very much. <laughs> like you, you get like some 50 to 60 games in that era. And now teams are so desperate to like so pulled thin to guard the perimeter that it's honestly unfair that you're limiting how they defend the rim. So I, I have two worries. Well, really one worry about this. If we get rid of defensive three seconds and you just can't someone right underneath the paint, or right underneath the basket, are we just going to eliminate all it's we're going to say, okay, Gobert gets to stand right underneath the basket all day long. No one's going to drive and dunk on him. And it forces people back to the mid-range or just forces even more three-point shots because you've eliminated the rim as a possible scoring area. So now instead of taking the poor percentage shots that's mid-range twos, you end up just taking more threes instead of 35, looking at like 50 or 55 threes a game. That's a possibility. It's a possibility. I, I, I'd be curious to see. We've moved the three-point line in before. We've moved it in. So this, like, the distance that it's at is arbitrary. There's no reason 
that it that it is where it is. We could easily push it back. It'd be kind of tougher in the corners because there's only so much space. But I think there is a possibility that we could li- mm. like completely kind of alter the game in that sense. Like, which I'd be I'd be kind of interested in. I think you're right. It still would give the defense the advantage because it would allow them to cover more ground. But even if you had just go bear camped underneath you'd still be forfeiting someone on the perimeter like you'd have to you'd be allowing more outside shots i guess i'm more interested in just like we've had scores and like and score performances within a certain realm basically since the 70s and i'd like to try to keep it like a semblance of what it what it was because i don't think we're done seeing 70 point games like i think we're gonna get another one of those and at that point we're in beyond uncharted territory yeah i went through and kind of did the history of 70 point games and seven 70 point games uh between 1960 and 62 three seasons but uh it was one game three games three games then we have a six-year span with just four of them and two of them came on the final day of the season where guys were gunning for the scoring titles and it's pure just shot chucking pure just trying to get as many points to this guy as possible uh, and to be honest that is of these 70 games like guys are gunning for numbers uh not many of these have actually been played in competitive basketball games where both teams are trying to win or both teams are good at basketball that a lot of these 70 point games are coming against teams that are very bad at basketball uh which i had seen in your video you mentioned something about expansion like man if we expand right now and you get a team that's the pistons in here like we could see kuzma put up a 70 piece like that that scares me. What's so interesting is is last season we were all kind of like the league is so good, every team is so competitive, the world like we can totally expand, bring in thirty four teams, we can handle this. And then now it feels like we are like we are overextended. Like the Spurs, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Pistons have all been the Blazers have been awful. Like these, oh, they beat the Kings, but the Pistons just beat the Thunder. It happens. That's it. So riddle, riddle me this though, Batman. If you, in my video, I mentioned if you do expansion and you pull the talent pool thinner, those individual offensive creators will be harder to find. There's not just guys in the G League waiting to do that. Like that's a really hard skill to have. Would you see the game slow down a little bit more because there'd be less? There wouldn't be four, five, six guys that can put it on the ground for each team. Teams wouldn't be as good, basically. All I'm saying. Maybe. Maybe. But, but Possibly. The game is just so heliocentric at this point that, like, you could take away three of Luca's teammates. It will not matter. Luca will still be Luca. <laughs> if you split up the Suns' big three, which I don't even think you do that. It, it's I think the game has gotten so individualized where one player, and it's always been like that, one player has always made a huge difference. But I'm trying to think, like, the 80s, we didn't see much of this. And I think it is due to kind of how compact the league was. Like, you didn't have one single guy going out and scoring a crap ton of points. Even, like, the high scores of those days, Bernard King, Dominique Wilkins, whatnot, were really capped um, by like, giving out, giving the ball to teammates. And, yeah, Alex English. Like, and they were playing in a similar pace. But in today's game, with just how helocentric it is and how much how high certain guys' usage, how much the, the ball will just always find them. Uh, I, I posted about Luca's game last night, and I said, said he looked tired. And someone commented, and they're like, a near 30-point triple-double with 17 assists, and this guy looks tired. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you want from me. The guy is going to have the ball in his hands all day. Like, I don't think the floor is dropping out on these guys. They they are just going to keep having this 
high usage and high work volume. It is so interesting because we're going to, we see all these crazy high scoring performances and yet it's from guys who I have serious issues about come playoff time. And that's part of it is you can't, you can, you have a kind of a guy so talented, they can score 70 points. Can they do it in four? Like, can they do it for four straight rounds? Cause Luca, like we Luca looked pretty, pretty toast against, against Sacramento last night. Uh, like the numbers are there, but you could tell it was just a different feel. Like could maybe like let's say he gets seventy one night, but does that guarantee he loses the next game just because he exerted so much effort? Maybe there's a balance to it, you know, a balance to playing with your teammates. So I took time this weekend uh, and I watched all four games. I wanted to make sure that I was fresh, seen them all. Kind of saw the Embiid game come, and I was like, cool, I can wait on this one and then watch it the weekend. Uh, and then, then just more of these games started showing up. But I was like, I, I want to have them all fresh in my mind for when we come in and talk. Do you have a ranking of the four games, the 270s and the 260-point games? I, I think Embiid, I don't have a ranking in my head, but I do think Embiid's was the best one. I think Cat ended up shooting his team yeah. out of the game. The Luka one was probably the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the Hawks weren't even really looking at him. But the Embiid one, like, he just... I just took control. Like I just thought it was, that one. Watching that one, I thought it was awesome. Where it's like, damn. Like he just—they can't look at this guy. But for, for the Hawks one, I don't know. It felt like it was like hydrogen bomb versus coughing baby. <laughs> it's like this guy said. Well, the Spurs are a terrible team. Like the Hawks seemed to almost be in on it. Like they were—they were like, no, nah, I want Luca to score seventy. Like their their printer defense was so. Maybe it's just Luca. The way Luca kind of moves around the court is almost effortless mm-hmm. and it's like much slower kind of methodical and like he'll get you he'll get his defender on his back at like half court and just kind of walk him all the way down to the free throw line it, it was not a good game for my jalen johnson is gonna be great stock he's still a good season though still a good season he, he has some nice moments really what are your rankings that's the, i think i think i did like the Embiid one so the luca one for me there was just nothing they could do to stop him um, they tried multiple different defenders. They tried. They started with Jalen Johnson. They eventually ended up with Dejounte Murray. They had both Sadiq Bay. They didn't have Hunter on him. I don't think Hunter played. A Kongwu who got torched. Like no matter who they put on him, it, it, it was just Luca. And I felt like they needed the Luca points. I watched the Embiid game game earlier today, and he didn't need to come back in. They were up like twelve to fourteen. The only time that the Spurs actually got close to coming back in that fourth quarter was once Embiid came back in, and they were just trying to force-feed Embiid. Like, it was almost the Carl Anthony Towns situation again. And the guy just <laughs> shooting his way out. Um, so, Luka, Embiid. The Devin Booker first quarter just explosion. There, it's like 6-2, to two, and Nemhard drives into him and bumps him. And he gets this look, and he's just like, I'm going to fucking kill Nemhard. And then just proceeds to drop 29 points, like, immediately after that. And in the first, and I was like, okay, that... That was really impressive. <laughs> and then the I, I didn't hate the Carl Anthony Towns game. I actually kind of, I, I'm anti what Chris Finch did. Yes, Cat was like gunning for his buckets at the end of the first half. Uh, and the teammates, teammates were loving it. The teammates were cheering. The teammates were all for it. Um, and then Finch rips him from a new asshole during halftime and like doesn't play him a lot during this, the third quarter. And it's like, we're going to get back to playing our team ball. I'm like, dude, it's a long one of your guys is doing something historic, and you're up by 10. You start benching him, and now the Hornets come on a run, come back, take the lead, and end up winning the game. I'm anti-Chris Finch in this. Like, just let your guy have the fun. 
you're doing well. It's only when you intervene that they fell apart. I saw a tweet that suggested that the Wolves are in their Mark Jackson era. Like they're looking for their Steve Kerr, trying to trying to break free. Um, interesting idea. I do think what I was trying to say, and the lag is destroyed us. Um, is this the best game yeah. that someone's ever played where their coach bombed on him in the press conference? I've never seen. I mean, like six. I mean, Devin Booker has a seventy point and sixty point loss. I think it's just him and Wilt that have that to their name. And even then, I think like Cat having sixty two and then being like the guy to blame at the at, by his coaches is honestly insanity yeah david thompson also took the loss this with his 70 piece trying to get the scoring title um i think i think someone else did it. It, it there was a surprising number of losses his first scoring 70 but yeah this is the the best i've seen someone play to the worst i've seen their coach rag on them uh just hands down do you want to transition into mb talk league mvp or is he the biggest the, the biggest coward in the nba did you see the stat about him uh, in road games? That he, he's sitting all of these road games and mm-hmm. has like played three road games and it's, it's uh, not not against good teams, basically. It's the Pacers, it's uh, and then everyone else was garbage. Like, I don't know. I'm, I've not been a big fan of the idea of the 65-game limit just because I picture one year where someone has 62 and the guy who wins it has 67. I think that's an arbitrary like cut off, but he's making a strong case for it. Just putting up insane numbers mm-hmm. and then skipping out on a lot of games. And so I'm kind of a fan. Of that. If he had sprained his knee or something and missed him, you know, 20 games, and it's like, oh man, it'd be was so good. He just rests against good teams. That's, that's what's going on. He's not hurt. He's not like injured. He's not sick. He just takes his days off against good teams. I have the numbers. Um, the combined winning percentage of the teams Embiid has played against this year. He's the teams he's played against have a forty-two percent winning percentage, and the teams he's missed have a fifty-nine percent winning percentage. Now, is part of that the fact that they play against Embiid or don't play against Embiid? Sure, there's a little bit to that. He, he <laughs> the teams on on the road when Embiid misses that game, those teams are winning sixty-three percent of their games. He just simply doesn't play good teams on the road. And I think we're just, we are headed like beelining towards the funniest first round exit in NBA history. It's coming. Like you see, like the writing's on the wall. You know it's coming here. Embiid's going to have to play a playoff series. And, like, and he will have to play a good team on the road. And he is yet to do that this season, essentially. Um, I, he's been awesome. He's been, I think he's been by far the best player, but the way he's ducking good teams and not playing in that many games, I don't really care if he's MVP or not. At this point, like if he only, if he only gets to 60 games, like I don't think I would have voted for him anyways. And that's mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's something that uh, to consider. Like maybe it's not even the rule that changes my mind. It's just if this trend continues where he doesn't play in games and only plays bad teams when he feels like it at home. I'm just not interested. Yeah, I, I'm looking through here to see like who he's playing or who he's missing. Uh, games that he has missed, starting off Minnesota, New Orleans, who start off strong on going into the in-season tournament, Boston and Boston, uh, Miami, Orlando, Houston, Chicago. For stretch, it is a four-game road trip that he just skips all four in there. Um, Utah, Atlanta, Sacramento, and the most recent one being Denver. I can't believe he hasn't played in Denver since 2019. Like, I know you only play once a year there, and, like, it is statistically possible to just always be hurt that once a year, but it it doesn't seem statistically likely. Just saying that. Possible. Not likely. 
if a team is on the, if the Sixers are on the road and their opponent has an above 500 winning percentage and beat is five times more likely to miss that game. Yeah. Yeah. His numbers are meaningless. <laughs> I, I saw someone suggest just putting him in there for a minute so that way he could hit the game's minimum count. And I, my response was that mm. that's going to take his per game averages, but like he's going to play the Pistons again. He's going to play the Wizards again. You can put up another 70 piece and like just boost those averages back and over. But I mean, the guy is getting 40 pieces in three quarters against the bad teams. So like it's, it's not inconceivable that you yeah. just boost the numbers back. They do have that covered though. You can't, you can't Michael, uh, not Michael Cooper. AC Green. You can't AC Green it and keep your streak alive. I, I think they do look into that stuff. And as I, when did this when did this tweet? As of six days ago, and Bede was averaging twenty five points on fifty four percent true shooting against teams above five hundred, and forty seven points on seventy four percent true shooting on teams against teams below five hundred. He's gonna be fucking bewildered when he doesn't play the Wizards in the first round. Now, I mean, we're saying this because Embiid has been the best player this season. Has this is yeah. one of like the greatest? This is probably the greatest non-wilt scoring season by a center. He's he, he's absolutely untouchable, which makes it that much more baffling that this is the route he's taken. Well, it, it makes it that much more explained that this is like how he's doing it. You know. Well, if you, if you just looked at it, you're like, man, he's playing everyone. He's putting up this insane numbers. Where did this come from? Where how is it so wrong? Like, that's that's what we'd have to think. But when you look at it, you're like, oh, he's dodging good teams and he's beating up on the bad teams. You're like, oh, that explains a little bit of how he's doing this. And, it, and you know, maybe that will end up working. Right now, if they were to make the playoffs, playoffs started today, they're playing Indiana. Pacers just beat them without Tyrese Halliburton. Pacers incredibly fast and Miles Turner is a terrifying matchup for, well, not terrifying, but he's got good length and quick hands so that Embiid 18-footer that's basically automatic, That's he's a good guy to defend that shot. Um, a first-round upside is not out of the realm of possibility. It's not. It's not, and I, I, can't, wait, I can't wait for it because, I mean, he seems to be just kind of gearing for the playoffs, so I'd be super interested. And all those teams, every single Eastern Conference team has a pretty formidable center, or at least not the Wizards center or the Pistons center. Jalen Duran is pretty good though. You know, Bam Adebayo is going to be tough. Like Jared Allen would be tough or Jared Allen and Evan Mobley would be tough. Um, like there's going to be a lot of, I mean, you know, Al Horford, he's going to, he's going to card him. And like mm-hmm. the boogeyman comes back and he is a net. Horford is just, the thing with Horford is he's so goddamn strong. He's so like, he's relentless and he's really smart and he's so strong. Um, and he just kind of gets him beat off his spots. It's a little bit like playing your dad when you're like in high school and you're like the peak athletic just specimen. My dad has a beer gut. And then you go in and get into the post and your dad just works you. And you're like, fuck, where does he have this? And you go, it's like, yeah, under that gut, he's got the strength. <laughs> and that's, that is Horford, just this old man's strength that comes out of nowhere that you, you didn't see coming. And so, yeah, well, aside from a 70 point and 60 point scoring burst and be dodging games, we did have one other interesting piece of news, which was we had the NBA All-Star starters announced. Uh, any thoughts? Are you in the camp that it should have been Jalen Brunson and should have been, well, not Steph Curry, but how do you feel about the Curry snub and the potential Brunson snub? I felt totally fine about the Curry snub. Hey, he's been really good this season. He's been something for a good month. I mean, he was great against LA, but that was after the voting was done. Um, SGA has been. 
the best guard in the league, in my opinion, this season. He has been phenomenal defensively, um, while also contributing thirty points a night. It's fine. Like I, I honestly, I don't, I don't mind at all. Congrats, SGA. The Brunson thing, I do think it should have been him. I would have never seen Lillard starting. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how many times have you fired your like? How many like? I will formulate this thought: <laughs> teams that fire their coach and then have two All Star starters. First time ever has to be right. Maybe the LeBron David Blatt year. I don't know if Kyrie was a starter that year, but mm. very, very unique circumstances. And maybe, maybe that's the case. Hey, there's this good despite having needed to fire their coach. Um, which some of the damage control has just been hilarious. Like Giannis being like, I didn't know he was going to get fired. I, you know, wish him well. He's a great He's at my guy. wedding. <laughs> just, just like guys, it's okay. It's okay. It didn't work out. Griff will probably be fine. I feel like Griff is going to get another job in the NBA because you just you don't have that good of a record and completely wash out. Like he'll be an assistant somewhere for another couple of years and then he'll pop back up. You know, maybe the Pistons will still be in the rebuild and need need a rebuilding coach. Um, I'm kind of there with Doc Rivers though. Now I don't love it. Obviously, I don't know if anybody loves it, but. If you had to pick a, t- a coach to pick to pick this up halfway through the season and still angle towards title contention, and you had mentioned in previous text exchanges that Doc Rivers just lets the superstars do whatever. That's mm-hmm. exactly what Giannis and Dame, they wanted to basically make their own schemes. Griffin wasn't into it, and now they're going to have that opportunity. I actually think they're going to be totally fine, and I think they'll probably they'll probably finish as the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I, I had them winning 65 games this season. I thought they would just Shaq and Kobe and destroy the league. Maybe that was a little high, but um, if I had to pick someone to come out of the Eastern Conference, honestly, honestly, hand on my heart, it's probably them. Yeah. I, I, I had texts that about Doc. That, you know, his best attributes is letting the players play, not riding the guys too hard. And the Bucks have a very old team. I mean, like, Lopez is old. Bobby Portis is old. Chris Middleton is younger than them, but feels older than them because of all of the injuries. And, like, having a guy that's going to relax the pace and just say, all right, we're not going to practice as much. We're going to have simplified schemes and let our stars do their things. It feels like a very good thing. I'm, I'm also just interested to see what he can do defensively with Giannis. Like, can he expand Giannis's his uh, defensive repertoire and uh, build the defense a little bit differently. I don't know that Lopez is going to be the guy finishing out fourth quarters. I feel like that might need to be Giannis at the five. And I want to see it. I want to see what he can do there. Bobby Portis is the oldest 28-year-old of all time. <laughs> is Bobby Portis seriously only 28? He's only 28. He's only 28. Oh my God. He was drafted in a, in 2015. It feels like it though, right? It feels like it's year, it's year four in Milwaukee for him. I think you're. I think you're right in that Dame is older. I I, I pulled up the roster because I I did not believe you. I did not trust that you were telling me real information <laughs> and that he is only 28. I I was skeptical. And I saw that Pat Cottington is 20 or is a uh, 31. New Jay Crowder was old, but man, really? I Pat blame Cotting the cocaine. 31 years old. It's gotta be right. I'm just gotta yeah. Be. The Bobby Porter's eyes has to be something. Yeah. He does seem like he, he's like he's like Taj Gibson power for like he's in like that class. Um, with Dame though, Dame's an older guard. Lopez is ancient at the center position. So yeah, and then the team the team is older. Um, well, I mean, Giannis isn't exactly spry. Well, how old is Giannis? Is he is he twenty nine? Is he thirty yet? He's twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
played for a long time. 2013 draft class. I think this is this is 11, year 11, right? Yeah. Or year I mean, 10. campaign is 29. That makes me feel old. I feel like campaign should be 20. Just... Is he still on the roster? He is, uh, sadly. I don't buy it. I don't. I don't believe you. <laughs> no, it's right. Yeah, no, he hit the three against Sacramento. Um, Harrison Barnes airballed a technical foul three. Uh, sorry, a, Harrison Barnes airballed a technical foul free throw yesterday. Just just toss that out there. Late in the fourth quarter. You can't. You can't go a full pod without getting some Harrison Barnes. Hey, this is completely unrelated. Just like he's averaging thirty points a game. <laughs> he's averaging thirty a game in the last three games. 30 39 20 he's been absolutely on fire it's so interesting because are the kings are actually one of the like are totally fine with their clutch free throw shooting because they're technically not clutch free throws because we're up by so much but they are but they are clutch free throws and the math doesn't understand that (laughs) the math doesn't get that that if it's like we're up 10 with two minutes left if we miss this technically our win percentage goes from like 99 to 98 no it goes from 99 to two it is we're gonna lose this game now so just i need a new math equation for clutch free throws because they're not factoring in the fact that we're collapsing the collapse factor i do think clutch stats need to be expanded a bit because I think right now it's like five points in the final five minutes. And like, it, just with the volume of three-point shooting, a five-point lead is definitely clutch. But like a 10-point lead is not entirely safe. Like, I, I think yeah, there no. needs to be some other metrics. Apparently like, 22, point, 22 points is safe either. I feel like there needs to be some other metrics of like, hey, there are eight starters on the court. This is clutch. I don't care what the point differential is. If eight starters are on the court, mm. they're acting like this matters between the two teams that's good i like that or they're the pistons and just that's what you gotta do but the pistons have five wins how are we feeling about them getting 10 wins are you uh you starting to get a little is it little five nervous? Uh, it might be i six thought they got six mm. yeah i think it's yeah, six. they just beat you know okc and it hasn't updated it yet on uh basketball reference so six wins i thought they'd never like beat a good team the Thunder, one of the best teams in the league, and they were healthy. They were totally healthy, yeah. and they just lost to him without Cade Cunningham. I mean, it's a new era. They traded for Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari. That added so much spacing. If they, if they had those guys, that streak never happens. They probably have like they probably have like fifteen wins right now. Like that's how important that spacing has been. Um, just opens their offense uh, so much. And and Bogdanovich missed a good part of that streak. Um, I think they're statistically eliminated. Statistically eliminated from me having to eat a ticket because I think I said thirty wins, and I don't think I don't think the math is possible on that one. Still possible, not likely. Is it? They're forty yeah, 46. And, or they're five okay. and yeah, six six and forty. So uh that does leave a very slim margin. They'd have to go like twenty-four and six. Okay. I feel okay. <laughs> I feel all right about, about my chances. You know, another one a little spicier, a little more interesting, is I, I also said I would eat a ticket. It was one was the Pistons for thirty wins, but the other one was Houston at thirty-five wins. Mm. they're at 21 wins right now 21 and 24 i don't think anyone remembers that i said that so i'm probably not going to do that if you can find the video that i said it on then i'll do it because because i don't know where that one went <laughs> you just said it again it wasn't my video. video it's right here yeah but no no one can find it it was someone else's video and i commented it and so they'll never find it it's gone forever 
but I did say that. So, well, speaking of the number 11 team in the West, let's talk about the number 12 team in the West and the game that they just played against the Lakers last night. Double overtime, classic Golden State Warriors, LeBron Curry going head to head. Um, and I just want to say, because I am an old man, I went to sleep before the game him happened, uh, or not started, but before it finished. Um, I woke up to a lot of people declaring this the game of the year. It's the meme of the guy shaking the champagne bottle and drinking it, flipping everyone off, and then zooms out. And he's on, <laughs> like, that's what we're talking about here. It was an amazing, amazing game. I loved watching it. I the, Some of the shots that Clay was hitting, it looked like he was back. Uh, I forgive us to go to overtime or the first first o- overtime that um, Curry sets a screen for Clay, who flares out to the left corner. Green gets it, flips it over. I was like, "This is this is peak goal in action." Um, and then you like zoom out, and you look, and you're like, "Ah, this is a team at 500 playing a team that's a couple games below 500." And it's just just so wild to look at. Man, it was special though. It was special, and you're right. Yeah. It didn't have the contending team status of like a double overtime thriller, but it's LeBron, it's Steph. LeBron had had 30, 20, and 10 or something. Let me double check the stats. He had 36 points. I was right. 36 points, 20 rebounds, and 12 assists. He played 48 minutes. He's 39 years old. Um, Steph had 46. And Steph hit a would-be game winner. He, he gets the, the he gets the screen. Um, Draymond, Draymond. Yeah, Draymond sends Vando to the fucking shadow realm, just ethers him with a free throw line, trying to come up to contest the that three, and uh, and he hit it. I mean, I had never seen Steph so open on a game winner like that. But um, Le- LeBron knocked down those free throws. I mean, I wonder what Skip Bayless is up to. He must have had an aneurysm. Probably. It was it was a very fun game to watch, and it did look like both teams kind of figured out things for them. The Wiggins Kaminga Green lineup, that front court. Um, so much offensive rebounding in punch. Like, I don't know how many shots they missed in that first first quarter, but like it seemed like Kuminga was always there to crash the boards, get the get the second chance opportunity. Um, I really liked how those three guys interplayed. And yeah, none of them could go Davis when Davis got the ball in the post, like one on one. But it seemed like a second one of them was always there, just ready to ready to pounce or ready to help. And I if I just watched that game and didn't know anything else, I would assume that both teams were contenders. They play up to it when they when they play each other. I also thought Anthony Davis looked really good offensively, like knocking down big jump shots towards the end mm-hmm. when in a season where Davis has been close to his worst with uh with the the mid-range jump shooting like that touch seemed to just disappear um so that was really interesting to see. I mean the Lakers, the Warriors not so much like I'm just I'm simply not scared of them in the slightest but the lakers loom as this like when they get in the playoffs because they're gonna win the play-in game lebron has plot armor i mean there's no way they're losing those games it's gonna be a really hard playoff series and like if i had a bet on it i'd say they they still make it to the second round even though they're 500 even though the west is brutal um you're gonna have to beat lebron james and anthony davis in a playoff series i'm sorry minnesota is a paper tiger like that is the the Mm. easiest way to punch a ticket to the second round Ooh, a little one eight, a one eight upset. I mean, listen, Minnesota got the one seed. That's a win for the franchise. Like, just just be happy. You've at least figured out the regular season. Uh, but like, I I'm not scared of Carl Anthony Towns' decision making in the fourth quarter. I am not scared of the rest of the defensive presence on this team. Like Finch, Finch was snapping at Towns, trying to make an example of him. The rest of that team wasn't playing defense either. 
Like, you need five guys to play defense, and uh, it, it wasn't happening. I know they're, like, one of the best defensive teams, either the best or, like, third. I don't know. They, it varies day to day as, as to who's the best. But just scared of them. I don't think they have enough offensive creation without Towns. And I don't think their defense is that good um, unless Mike Conley's really playing and locked in. If you got Conley, uh, McDaniels, and Gobert, it's, it's a good defense. But It's a great defense. It's a great defense. But I don't trust that in the playoffs, and I don't trust this that Conley's going to be um, as healthy as he's been. He's already some nagging injuries. He's an old point guard. Like Minnesota, you're going home in the first round. I'm sorry. I don't care who you're playing. You are not better mm. than teams uh, right mm. now three through nine. Maybe you take out Dallas. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, Dallas is a little bit different. Looking at, at the the offensive and defensive ratings, Minnesota is the 16th best offense and the best defense in the last two weeks of the 17th best offense and the sixth best defense. So you have a fantastic defense, but I'm honestly kind of keyed into an average offense An average offense doesn't get you super far. I, I can picture it already. Davis hitting mid range jumpers, hitting threes over Gobert, LeBron dancing around, like getting cat in, in crazy foul trouble. I think you're right. And I would take the Lakers even, even in a one, eight matchup. I think I take, the Lakers. Uh, you know, I'm going to take it back. Dallas will beat them if they have Kyrie. Because Dallas with Kyrie is a different monster. Mm. I don't know if Kyrie's going to be there. He hasn't been there a lot this year. But if you got Kyrie, they're winning. And New Orleans is playing well, which is, is iffy. But they can make they just rain. That's threes. a bull take. I like it. Man, stick is stick in your neck out saying the one seed actually isn't that good. Are they still the one seed? Got it. Uh, right. they're, okay, they're so the two at the moment. Nah. Oh, no, wait. I see, I see Tide. I see Tide. Yeah. I'm, I'm still looking at the basketball reference standings that haven't updated after OK. Just I don't I don't trust the late game decision making by their two best players, their two best offensive players. And then you know, the cat or not the cat, the Gobert uh Conley pick and roll. It's a nice offensive weapon during the regular season. I don't trust it, it in the playoffs. I feel like this is a very very it's a team built for the regular season. Um, you know, they've got a good matchup for Denver with the two bigs, but I don't think they've got a good matchup for a uh, a lot of the other teams that they have to play. I was right about the Timberwolves, though, being good. I'll, I'll do a victory lap on that. I had them, well, I had them as a 47-5 seed. It wasn't that enthusiastic, but I got a lot of pushback on that in my in my uh, reveal of my predictions. And I said, no, oh, the Timberwolves are going to be really good. Looking at it, which teams did I get the, like, did I totally whiff on? Um... I'm, I'm going to be about 20 losses off on the Spurs, had them at 34 wins. The Jazz, I had at 22 wins just not right that's just not right um i still think there's a chance jazz blow it up like i mean they keep kind of dancing around it and right now but 22 wins they're already too close to that there are there are 24 wins but uh the trade deadline is the eighth we're recording this on uh january 28th so like they've got another week and a half before a potential blow up and this is kind of what we're around 500 hanging to the deadline they then trade it away most of their good players um, not most of their good players, but enough of their good players that it tanks the rest of their season. So it, we, we could be having something similar happen. I totally can see them. I think Olenek and, Col- and um, Clarkson will be gone. And uh, they'll kind of, and, and that's, that's great value. You know, there, there's really no reason to be 500. Um, I, I nailed the Raptors at 33 wins and the Nets at 35 yeah. wins. Yeah, I thought the Raptors were going to be potentially better. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? I was thinking that they wouldn't blow it up. Uh, that they would try to do more. They were bad at that. 
<laughs> well, I was I was expecting a trade. I was just thinking that they were going to go more all in for someone, more of a like, all right, we didn't get Dame. Let's try to get whoever is the next available guy. Maybe we make a, a play for Tyler Hero with picks to my like. That's kind of what I was expecting was that they were going to try something more like that. This is uh, this is gaslighting. You're lying to me. <laughs> you sat here and said. The Raptors are going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league because Dennis Schroeder is a good defensive player, and they actually don't need to have score any points. I don't I think like, I no, said they that really Schroeder are going to have a good. <laughs> no, that yes, you sound did. Like me. I Go don't think I would say Schroeder's it. good. <laughs> um, Go back it wasn't that bad. It. I did. I did make the case for addition by subtraction of getting rid of mm-hmm. uh, Fred Van Vliet and moving his shot distribution around to some of the other guys who are going to be a little bit higher percentage yeah Schroeder as a a budget replacement option was going to be a fine and that that has blown up in my face I will at least I'll own that one thank you you got Jalen Johnson right whiffed on the Raptors (laughs) all right skip Jalen Johnson to the Raptors then then it evens out right yeah I was gonna say are you ready for the DeJounte Murray Lakers I don't hate it um I I don't know what we would give up that would would bring him back. Uh, D'Lo has been surprisingly important to us of late. Like his play has been really crucial. I would love it if we could get Murray without giving up either him or Reeves. I don't know that that is either salary cap possible or just logistic possible. Um, it probably have to be Max Christie, the pick, and maybe other draft capital, more seconds or something. And even then, I don't know that I'd, I'd want to do that if I'm Atlanta. I, I don't know if I want to do it if I'm Atlanta for, for anything the Lakers really have. Like, it, it doesn't, it feels like there has to be something better out there. Jack had to convince me that DeJounte Murray was good. <laughs> because originally, I wasn't really interested in the DeJounte for Reeves swap. I just, I really wasn't interested. And since then, DeJounte has been playing better. I think he heard me question his uh, his ability to to play in big moments, hit a couple game winners. It's really, I mean, the Kings won pretty considerably, but he took it to us. Like he had he had a really great game mm-hmm. without Trey Young and whatnot. So I, I could see that value. But you had a question for me. Oh, my my question was just going to pivot us. Uh, you want to talk some All Star reserves? They're getting announced on February first. So we have. A little bit of time to either speculate or wildly uh, inaccurately try to pick some some reserves here. Okay, how many how many do we have? Is it seven more? Seven for each conference? Seven seven more for each conference, and they do have to follow the three front court, two back court, two wild cards, which I think just makes this very complicated. Because the West, you are using all of those wild cards for guards. Um, and the front court just gets very, very scrunched up. So let's start in the West. Who were, it was LeBron, SGA, help me out. So front court in the West, we've got LeBron, Durant, and Jokic. The back court is mm. Luka and SGA. Okay. Can we add in the Kawhi Leonard? I think Kawhi is a lock. Uh, yeah, next closest guy that didn't okay. make it and just a, a true superstar. So that leaves us two more front court positions that have to go to some combination of Sabonis, uh, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. I think those would be my picks, Sabonis and Davis. Do you, do you have any qualms with that? I I had posted it would be in Sabonis and Davis. Oh, also Paul George. 
I wouldn't be that mad if the king this this king's season has been so meh. I'm not gonna be like, wow, I'm 30 points and double 29 double doubles in a row. Get a better fucking record. I'm not. <laughs> Any thoughts about Oko Bear? It's spicy. It's spicy. Anchoring the best defense. I I just can't. Yeah. No one likes Gobert. No one likes, none of the players respect him. I don't think the coaches care that much. And also it's like, now you have to play Rudy Gobert in the All-Star game, which is just like a really painful, like four or five minutes where he's like playing defense and stuff. And it's like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Yeah, I, I think what I ended up doing when I posted my reserve selections to TikTok is I did go Kawhi, Paul George, and then Anthony Davis for the three. That just... Just kind of felt right to me. I was like, you know, Davis, okay. it feels weird getting two Lakers in here. Davis has just been more impactful. I don't think season. that's weird. His defense, his two-way play. Just, you know, thinking the, the old ways, the Lakers are the ninth seed. Like, I mean, I mean two, yeah. two guys. The rest of their team is awful. That's the secret. Yeah. I mean, that it's just true, but it feels weird. No, sure. I, I think with Fox, I'd like to see him, but also like one or the other. Like Fox or Sabonis. Two Kings is too much. We're not that good. Okay. All right. Well, let's save that for the well. Uh, our backcourt remaining okay. selections. We've got the options of uh, Jamal Murray, Anthony Edwards, uh, just, just running down the list of teams, Devin Booker, Fox, and uh, Steph Curry. Steph and Booker. Yeah. Tell me what do I have? Uh, that's so if we lock those two in backcourt, which I think is the right choices, um, you know, just. It is a little bit of an odd to the superstar play. I've seen some people try to make the case that Kyrie should be in there. I don't think he's there with the oh, number of games shit. he's missed. He's Fuck been that, so dude. impactful in the games he's played. Like, yeah, he's, no, he's that's really good angry. in the games he's played. Uh, so we lock those guys in. Now we have the two wild cards. The wild cards can be just anybody. Um, so we still have Anthony Edwards, who I think has to make it. You can't have the number yeah. one, number two team without a, a an all-star. Can we do Edwards and Fox? We do, we could do Edwards and Fox. I don't hate, um, but if we if we do Edwards and Fox, that means no Sabonis. That means the Pelicans don't get either Ingram or Zion. Uh, Laurie Markkinen is out to dry. Kyrie Irving's out to dry. Uh, Jamal Murray doesn't make the All Star team after winning an NBA Finals. You know it's a different season, but it it's tight. There's a lot of really good players in the West, and Jamal Murray is not that close. I don't know why you're acting like he's that close. He's clearly the worst of all the players you just listed. I know, I know. And Murray is is good, and like he dominates good teams, but he has been incredibly inconsistent as a scorer this season. And missed a fair number of games. It just it feels weird. Like there's a lot of guys who kind of get the next year recognition. Like Tyson Chandler won the Mavs win a title, not an All Star that year, but he gets it the next year. There's that kind of like retro, like ah. We want to give this guy some recognition. And it happens it's a number of times. And I, I kind of wonder if Murray might get that from the coaches, but I don't think he should. But that's why he put his name in there. There's also Chet, Wemby, J-Dub. Mm. There are a lot of lot of guys in the West. Shingoon? I think we locked it in pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And Traditional it's just, takes. It's tough. It's, it's, it's tough out here. I mean, I think Sabonis has been better than Shingoon, unfortunately. I agree with that. Let's do the East. What do we have? East, we've got the two bucks, uh, Dame and Giannis, mm. and Embiid already locked in. And then the other guard is Tyrese Halliburton. So our front court options, we have Porzingis, Jalen Brown, um, 
Julius Randle, Pascal Siakam, Butler and Bam, um, Franz Wagner, or Paolo Vancaro, DeMar DeRozan if you're interested. Uh, and that's, that's probably uh, man, about as far this, this is way worse. Honestly, a lot harder. I I kind of want Randall. Yeah. Oh, Randall. I kind of want Randall. Put Randall in. The Heat have lost six straight, kind of sneakily, under the radar, free falling. Um, and I think I'll go Jalen Brown. I still want Bam. Okay. Is there? Do I have two more front court? Is it three? Three three front guards. Three, so three front three guys. Yeah. Okay. You went Jalen Brown over Kristaps Porzingis. I've been back and forth on this. I think Porzingis has been better in the role that he's in, but it's a smaller one, essentially. That's fair. All right. Just pulling up their numbers here. Porzingis is averaging uh, 19 points per game, seven boards. Uh, Jalen Brown, basically 20 points per game, five boards. Um, similar, similar numbers. Porzingis is being more effective, but Brown, I think, is the number two. We saw that a couple of games back. Uh, Tatum and Brown went off together, and I think it was... It was like the highest scoring two point duo um, from two players this season. I think that's probably now been ele- been ellipsed by the the seventy point games. Basically, anybody else that scored with those guys are probably now the highest uh, scoring duo. But yeah, all right, Brown gets it over or Porzingis. Porzingis has also missed a fair number of games. Thirty three of the team's forty six. Yeah, and Brown has just played really well. In the last, I have the last 15 games pulled up. He's 22 points, six boards, and four assists on 52% shooting, 42% from deep. I think he's kind of settling into, like, maybe he tried to bite off a little bit too much with that Supermax contract, and now he's kind of taking a step back and just hyper-efficient scoring. And that's exactly what we wanted. But who are your guards? My guards, I'm going Jalen Brunson. I think that is that is a lock. And then I'm going Donovan Mitchell. Uh, these two guys are kind of carrying their team's yeah. offenses. They're the number four, number five seeds. And I just, I, I want to reward winning. I want to reward high volume. And I think those are the two guys that it has to be. I think that's right. I think that's right. And can we, can we, a little side conversation? What's going on with the Cavs? I buried them after the Evan Mobley injury, and they're better without him. It's, it's not addition by subtraction, but it makes the lineups work better. Like having Garland and Mitchell out there together my turn how are we going to run the offense what are we going to do we're also now more susceptible to being picked on if you've got uh, a bigger guard because one of them has to guard the big guard it's same thing with the bigs when Moby's out there and and, Gar- and Allen's out there teams can now pick on them with speed you can get into a running game him against them you um those two guys don't space well for each other so like they actually kind of play better without one of those guys because they play a more traditional fit it looks good also I think Jack corrected my pronunciation. Sam Merrill? Yeah. Is it, is it different? Merrill. Is it Morell? Okay. Just like the Pokemon. No, it's Merrill. Merrill? <laughs> Merrill. Uh, he, he's been on fire. Like, uh, since December 8th, the man is hitting in, uh, man is hitting 44% of his threes, attempting eight per game. I was listening to the low post, and they were saying that per 36 minutes, he has the third highest three-point shooting rate per 36 minutes behind MVP Steph Curry and MVP James Harden, like putting in shots. Uh, He was in the game for less than three seconds when he put up a three the other day, just like gets, gets subbed in, inbounds play, catch and shoot. Boom. Uh, It's, it's a little reminiscent of Buddy Heald just lived to Chuck, but 
it's working. It's more of a, a statement on the Cavs roster construction than it is Mobley. And I think that we kind of both okay. landed the same spot where it's just, you know, they're running this like two center thing. Because I've seen Mobley play live. He's not slip. Like he's fucking huge. He's legitimately seven feet tall and he's he's jacked. Um, It's not like a Chet Holmgren. I mean, even Chet Holmgren, like it handles the center position pretty well. It's a different like thunder thing. But I think Mobley could play center just fine. But uh, they have both of these players and they want to play them at the same time. And, and neither of them look at the rim outside of 15 feet and that's been that's been the offensive issue where i think we all kind of anticipated mobley to be just much better offensively to to develop this like 15 and 20 foot range and start hitting some threes and he just he just really hasn't he just she's kind of out there and the Cavs game i went to it was a it was a rough showing for the Cavs, i'll admit but like mobley was guarding harrison barnes what a waste right like what a waste of, of defensive talent and, you know like there's roaming stuff and off ball stuff that he's probably involved in but man it just feels like couldn't couldn't like couldn't try him on sabonis like is that a keegan thing it's like no and harrison barnes probably didn't take a shot the whole game this is gonna sound strange but I think just with the timeline of where Donovan Mitchell is already at play-wise, I think it makes a little bit more sense if you're going to go all in on Mitchell and try to win a championship to trade Mobley as opposed to to Allen. Mm, yeah, he's big enough to like get I agree. Mobley. Like Mobley, the, the deal has got to be insane. But could you maybe Does give it? back some of your picks from know. Utah and Laurie Markkinen? No, fuck no. What? <laughs> No, Mobley, Mobley should be good to start. He, you know, he just he wasn't that impactful this season. And at this point, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get picks and a player that's just way way better than him. He's still so young. He's he's still so young, and that's possible. But like, if he can't hit a 15 footer, he can't hit a 15 footer. It's not gonna. That's not. That's something that may just not change. And you have to you have to think about that. Um, wait, I mean, what year is this for him? Is this year four? Um, year three. Year three. Year three, got it. Year three, twenty two years old. I don't. I'm not. He's twenty two, and we're expecting offenses. I mean, that's like I get it. He's gonna get better. It's not over, but you're not getting Laurie Markkinen back for him. Maybe as a rookie, you could have gotten Laurie Markkinen, but he's been basically just as good as he's always been this entire time, and that is concerning because he was a special rookie, but he's just an average junior. What about OKC? Could OKC put together a package? pitch for him that would interest Cleveland. Wow. You could play him in Chet. Oh, yeah. Uh, the money might be a little interesting, but I, I mean, I, I imagine that's doable. Um, at some point, the Thunder can't have six max players on the team, though. So you have to th- consider that. Like, they, they can't physically cannot feel the team with this, this much talent. Um, so that like kind of has to be right in terms of contracts. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if he's not going to develop, probably get him a, a, a I don't know. You're, you're still going to have to pay this guy a crap ton of money. Just to see if he develops, mm-hmm. you know, baseball Ellis, a couple of picks that that can get it done financially. Maybe one one filler, Usman Dang. I, I had quite a bit to drink on Friday, and I texted Jack, Can do you think we could trade for Evan Mobley? And he's like, I think we could. It was like Barnes and Herder and and four first, basically. And I'm like, Send it in. So I've been here, I've been thinking about it. It's, it's not a bad idea. Like, does Cleveland want to compete? If yes. Um, Mobley, Mobley may have to be the sacrificial lamb, but I, I would advise them against it. I still have enough faith in him that I, I don't love the idea. I also don't have enough faith in Donovan and Darius Garland as a combo to want to go all in, but that's besides the point. We still have two more Eastern Conference All-Stars 
if our reserves mm. thus far are uh, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Bam, Jalen Brown, and Julius Randle, we've got the two wild cards to try to purse between Kristaps Porzingis, uh, Siakam, Jared Allen, uh, Paolo Bancaro, Kobe White, Jimmy Butler. Kobe White. I kind of like Siakam, and it sounds weird, but the fact that he like he has these numbers uh, that he got on the Raptors, but now he's like tra- changed teams, and I was like, ooh, way sexier, way way more fun. Um, if that trade had happened earlier, I could see the case. I think it's gonna be. Um, I think it should be Kristaps. The Celtics are just dominating teams. They have a point differential plus nine point six. I think like five of their losses have been completely preventable. Like they could easily be forty and six or something. Mm-hmm. I'll take Kristaps. I should also say Trey Young. Any any interest in Trey Young? Mm, no, nah, fuck that. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not gonna sympathize for him. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Which like it, it's a it's a similar case for him and Pascal of like good on bad teams. Uh, and I'm a little bit just more sympathetic to Pascal because I feel like in addition to the good numbers, you have sometimes good defense, not not consistently enough. I, I don't think I want to put either of them on this team. I don't hate Kristaps Porzingis. I wasn't quite there yet, but I think I go Palo for our last reserve. Okay. Yeah. I think I honestly, I think I'd prefer Kobe White. Kobe White. Really? Kobe's been unbelievable, and the Bulls have been a disaster, but he has been so special that they've been winning again. Like, the, this, this, the Bulls started, and were like, this is the worst team in, in the NBA. Like, they had a players' meeting after game one, and it was just a mess. And, like, he was been the difference. He's been the difference. He's the reason why they're 21 and 25 and going to be buyers at the deadline. I know you're not ready for that, but the Bulls are going to be buyers at the deadline because they want to get better. I mean, the Bulls have said they're buyers for the last... Uh... I don't know, five years. The problem is that they just, they don't have assets to buy with. Have you ever watched Arrested? A little bit, yeah. There's there's an episode when it comes back in either the fourth or the fifth season. This It's not great, but uh, Tobias and Lindsay go to this place like Swap Agains where you can trade items you have for food and they have like this this platter tray and they're like, can, can we get some mozzarella sticks? I'm like, yeah, it's worth mozzarella sticks and like like cool we can all have a mozzarella stick it's just like that's that's what i feel like the bulls are when they come to the trading table of like hey do you can we get some mozzarella sticks you're like yeah i guess we'll give you a couple like not even that much <laughs> i don't know i i think the wild card spot right, we can lock in well, we can lo- lock in we can lock in paulo yeah we can lock in paulo uh, the only other guy that i'd consider is tyrese maxi did we not put Tyrese Maxey in the in the All Star game? We did not put Tyrese Maxey in the All Star game. I guess we didn't even, we didn't list him as an option. Fuck, screw Paulo Bancaro. Put Tyrese Maxey in the All Star game. Now he's totally blanked on that. You didn't even say his name. You're you're supposed to. You got. You tell me you read Kobe White before Tyrese Maxey. What did I text you earlier today? You said you don't like Tyrese Maxey very much. I said I don't like Tyrese Maxey very much. Yeah. And it's it's he's the an All Star though. Well, it's. So it, it's the inverse of everything you see within B. Because Maxi's playing in these road games, uh, and maybe it's just that he's going on, up against tougher competition. He's playing good teams on the road. He's playing above 500 teams on the road, which Embiid has not done in basically this season. He gets a lot worse. And, and like percentages drop, the numbers drop. He struggles to create for himself. Well, like, I, I'd consider him over Porzingis to reward winning. And, and be, I feel like Paolo... Being the guy helping Orlando 
get to where they're trying to go. Like Paulo is is the leading force on a 500 team versus being the secondary guy and not doing that well when you're the only guy on a good team. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Paulo has really been streaky as a scorer, though. In the last 21 yes. games, I tried to grab a, a good sample size. He's 25.7 boards, 5 assists. You're like, this is awesome. But he's shooting 42% from the field. 32% from three, 72% from the line. He has the body of LeBron James. Like he has moments where it's like, God, he's huge and can get a shot over anyone. But man, just the efficiency has been tough at times. Like he has um, a two for 12 game, the six to 21 and um, eight of 21, eight of 22, um, five of 12, eight of 20, six to 17. Yeah. I mean, if we look back over um, his last 21 games, he was here. We got 24 points, six and a half assists, uh, but 42, 34, 83 shooting splits. And similar things, we got two for 13 okay. game against Detroit of all people or all places. We've got uh, six for 17 games. We've got an eight for 22, four for 20. And, and a lot of those really bad games come when Embiid's not there and you need him to elevate and he's just not doing it. That's... That's my only knock on him. I think he's taking a huge step it's a, forward. It's this a hot year, take. It, people like him. I don't. They, um, I think that is that is a pretty spicy take on on the pushback on Maxi because he's like the fan favorite. He replaced James Harden, the worst basketball sure. player of all time. How 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 much cooler can you get? Uh, you could all right beat teams without him being cooler. I don't, I don't know. Like play mm, play good maybe. without him being. Uh, maybe. But all right, my wild. It's okay. We'd have slightly different wild cards. My wild card will be the um and Maxi, and it sounds like you're gonna go Porzingis and Maxi. Yeah. Sorry, Trey. No All Star. Well, Aaron, feels like a good time to close. Where can the people find you? Possible chairs on TikTok. Possible chairs on Twitter. And this podcast all the time. Find me Nate underscore Hoops Temple on TikTok. You'd also email us all Hoops Temple at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. <laughs>